heights to the depths of the sea. Around this time that these men and women, this multitude, is wondering where his disciples are, wondering where Jesus is. They kind of like this Jesus guy. He shows up and feeds them. You don't have to work for it. You just kind of show up and he, he breaks what's there and he blesses it and he multiplies it. But Jesus knew their motives. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. The day after the miraculous feeding of the 5,000 and the night crossing of the Sea of Galilee, many of the crowd that was fed by Jesus and the disciples wondered where they went. They saw the disciples without Jesus leaving in the boat, and now they noted that Jesus was not there with them. What was their motive for seeking Jesus? Jesus knew that their motive was not a spiritual one, but one that would supply their needs without any effort on their part. As Christians and followers of Jesus Christ, we should always remember that Jesus is not a genie in a bottle for us to use. He is God Almighty and is deserving of our praise and reverence. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's message. All right, good morning. Let's open our Bibles to John's Gospel. We're going to be looking at chapter 6 this morning. We've been in John's Gospel, chapter 6, for a few weeks. It's a very lengthy chapter, 71 verses. And so we won't finish the chapter today, but we're going to finish it next week, Lord willing. But there's a lot here. And um, so let's just, uh, if you remember, this was the chapter where Jesus feeds the 5,000. And actually, it's really more like 10 or 15, maybe even 20,000, with women and children included. On the east side of the Sea of Galilee... And, uh, and so we saw the miracle that Jesus did by multiplying the bread and the fish. And then right on the heels of that, Jesus gives a very special, unique sign to his disciples. Demonstrating that he is, he is deity, that he is God in the flesh, that he has control and power over nature, over physics. And Jesus, if you remember, last week we looked at this, where he walked on water as the disciples were now moving from the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, now to the western side, over to Capernaum. And there was a storm, if you remember, and there was a, the wind and the waves were very large, and the disciples were very nervous. And it says that in the fourth watch, which is somewhere in the early morning hours between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., Jesus walked on water out to the disciples. And then ultimately, they, because of the wind, they were blown off course. They ended up Gennesaret, which is a little bit north of Capernaum. And that's really where we ended last time. And, and now, we, this morning, we get to look at this 
discourse that Jesus had given concerning him being the bread of life. And this is going to really take us two services to get through because there's uh, quite a bit of material here. But let's read just from verse 22 to verse 40, and then we'll come back to it. Notice what it says. is on the following day, after this incident of Jesus walking on the water, on the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side, meaning the east side of the sea, saw that there was no other boat there except that one which his disciples had entered, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his, his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread and after the Lord had given thanks. And when the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, on the western shore, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. And then they said to him, What shall we do that we may do the works of God? And Jesus said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Therefore they said to him, What sign will you show us then that we may see and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you this bread from heaven. But my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of heaven is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And then they said unto him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. And he who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all who he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Father, we thank you for this passage, and Lord, just encourage us in it, Lord, as we consider, Lord, you being the, the bread of life, Lord, our very sustenance, Lord, more than our necessary meal and meat that we eat, Father. And so, Lord, help us and encourage us in your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Ah, very interesting Notice, Jesus, if you recall, in the beginning of John chapter 6, he was somewhere over on the western shore in Capernaum. And then Jesus, with his disciples, they come over to somewhere over on the western side, or the eastern side, the eastern shore over here uh, in Bethsaida. Bethsaida kind of goes around the top of the north of of the Sea of Galilee, and over on the sides as well. So somewhere over on this western side. And you remember that after 
the miracle of the loaves and the fishes that Jesus told his disciples to get into the boat and go to the other side. So they're over here in Bethsaida, and he wants them to go over here to Capernaum in this area over here. And so you recall what happened. Jesus went up into the mountain and began to pray, and the storm arose, and his disciples are rowing frantically, trying to get across this this Sea of Galilee, which... Uh, is quite a, it turns over very quickly because it's in a valley and the wind can come rushing through and just turn that water very quickly. These were very seasoned fishermen. They knew this. And here they are in the midst of the sea, somewhere in this area, right in the middle, and they're rowing and nothing is happening. And instead, they're getting blown off course and they keep getting blown off course. And that is when Jesus walks on the water and comes out to them from this area over here, and he walks over to them, and then they land at Gennesaret over on the, on the western shore. And so this is where our story takes place today. It's not a story, as you know. I hate that word, uh, because when we think of stories, we think of fiction, and the Bible is not fiction. The Bible is history, but it's a very specific history, and it's very pointed. It's, very, it's got a very unique slant to it. It's, it's meant to give us the plan of redemption, God's plan of redemption being drawn out in so many different ways. But notice the people on the other side who were on the eastern shore, they're looking for him. They're, they don't know where he went. His, they saw his disciples get into the boat, and they didn't get very far because they were out there for quite a while because the wind was so bad. And they didn't see Jesus anymore. So they were thinking, you know, what's going on here? Notice in verse 23 in our text, it says, However, other boats came from Tiberias. Tiberias is this city named after the Roman emperor, uh, Tiberius Caesar. And they were, these boats from here were coming all the way over to Bethsaida. And they had just showed up around this time that these men and women, this multitude, is wondering where his disciples are, wondering where Jesus is. They kind of like this Jesus guy. He shows up and feeds them. You don't have to work for it. You just kind of show up and he, he breaks what's there and he blesses it and he multiplies it. But Jesus knew their motives, as he knows ours as well. But notice, so these boats come over from Tiberias to that area of Bethsaida, near the place where they ate bread and after the Lord had given thanks. And the people saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, and they also got into boats. And so they come from here all the way over to Capernaum. And so they do that. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said, Rabbi, when did you come here? Notice they were seeking him. And praise the Lord that they were seeking him. Jesus will kind of upbraid them a little bit for their motives in seeking him, but they wouldn't have to search hard for Jesus because at this point in his ministry, he was very popular. He had been healing many, and he was drawing quite a crowd wherever he went. People were wanting to be healed. Demon-possessed people wanted their, you know, people wanted their demon-possessed family members to be exercised, and people needed to be healed. So he was very popular. And very well known, very hard to miss him, because wherever he was, there was a throng of people around him. Remember that phrase where it says, I found Jesus? I remember when I first gave my heart to the Lord, I said, I found Jesus, you know, because I was so excited that I found him. But the truth of the matter is, God had known where I was all the time. He actually found me. I was running away from him, if you can do that. Where can I go from his spirit? 
Where can I flee from his presence, right? Isn't that what the psalm says? There's nowhere I can go that I can get away from God, but we try, don't we? We try to flee God because in the beginning, we don't want anything to do with God. We like our sin too much. But I was running from God and finally I found God, but rather he found me. He found me. I love what Jesus said to his disciples. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. It kind of changes things, doesn't it? And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give to you. And I love it. In John's letter, he said, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us first and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, the substitute. And that's the nature of God. He's the one seeking. I, I, I thought I found Jesus like these people. They found Jesus on the other side. But he knew very well their motivation. And he knows our motivation too. And hopefully our motives are very easy and simple and pure. Because the Lord likes a genuine heart. We can be honest with him. We don't have to pull any wool over his eyes. Because you can't. Try doing that with someone who is omniscient. Try doing with that with somebody who knows the very words you're going to speak next. It's impossible. You can't hoodwink God. It's better just to be outright and honest with him. You know, there's a freedom in doing that. I like to be honest with him. Even the good, the bad, and the ugly. Right? The good, the bad, and the ugly. Just be honest with him. He knows it already, so why hide it from him? Tell him your deepest, darkest, ugliest garbage, the filth of your heart. Confess it. Give it to him. Talk to him about it. Say, Lord, I want to be delivered from this nonsense that's been plaguing me all my life. Lord, I'm sick and tired of being bludgeoned over the head with this issue that I've been struggling with. Do you have struggles? Then be honest. Be honest with him. But they found him. They found him on the other side. But he knew where they were all along. I love what it says in Psalm 14. This is a, such a humbling verse. It says, The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God, and notice the response of God. They have all turned aside. They have all together become corrupt. There is none who does good. good. No, not one. That kind of humbles you, doesn't it? It kind of takes the wind out of your sails. Now you realize, wow, I'm really not all that. And it's true. But are you still seeking the Lord? Christians, brothers and sisters, are you still seeking the Lord? Or are you content living the way you're living? Living maybe with your ticket stamped to heaven and just wanting to live the way you want to live. Just having your fire insurance, but nothing else. If that is the case, you're missing out on so much because people today we know are living their lives with empty pursuits, looking for love in all the wrong places. And isn't it true when you find Jesus, the search is over? The search is over. There's no reason, there's no need to go anywhere else. There's no need for anyone else because there's no one else under, by whose name we must be saved but by the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? I love that name. Do you love the name of Jesus Christ? It's a name that the world doesn't want to hear. The only time I heard Jesus Christ is when I heard somebody smack their thumb with a hammer. But church, we need to lift his name. That name has power. 
There's no other name that has power like his name. When his name is spoken, when his name, when his character, when his, when his heart is preached, demons flee. They must. Because greater is he that is in, the, in you than he that is in the world. Amen? I love the power of Jesus. He's all-powerful. There's no one more powerful than him. Remember that and revel in that. Rejoice in that. He is all-powerful. But these people, they were seeking Jesus, but not for the right reasons. Notice what it says at the end of that verse. They said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Notice that Jesus never answered the question. How did you get here? We didn't see you go across to the disciples. Did you have one of those hoverboards? Did you have one of those jet skis, Jesus? How'd you get from over there? They're puzzled. And Jesus didn't tell them. Any other man, any other man of God might be tempted to say, well, let me tell you how I got there. Roll the tape. And they see Jesus walking out. Yeah, that's me. Look at me. My sandals didn't even get wet. Look at that. I walked all the way across. What do you think of that? Yes. That's something, isn't it? See, men would do that, but Jesus never answered the question. But this sign that he did of walking on the water was only for those men in the boat. Only for those men in the boat. Now they are understanding. The onion is being peeled back. The facet of the diamond is becoming more real to them of how great and wonderful he is and what he is able to do in his miraculous power. Seeing him walk on the water, no one has ever done that. So he revealed it to them only. There was no news at 11. You know, Carpenter seen across, you know, running across the Sea of Galilee, news at 11. None of that. There was no grandstanding it. This was private for them only. But Jesus answered them, verse 26, and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs. The signs were to verify, to, to verify I am who I said I am. Do you notice that? Miracles are never meant to just encourage your faith and, 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 and for, for in, in and of itself. Miracles are meant to confirm what has been spoken. Confirm the one who spoke the words. They're, they're not just there just to tickle people's fancy. They were there to confirm who Jesus is. And the same thing today. He doesn't do miracles for just, just to do a miracle, just to entertain people. There's a reason for everything he does. And most of the miracles he does are done quietly in a room, in a hospital. When the doctor comes in and says, you know what, you're just filled with cancer. There's no hope for you. We're done. We can't do anything. We've already removed half of your lung. We've already removed your spleen. We've removed part of, you know, one of your kidneys. There's really nothing we can do. It's just chemo, and, and then you know, you're done. Sorry. And can God speak in that room to that person and say, you are healed? And for them to do an MRI or a CT scan afterwards and and their their jaws drop. (laughs) How did that happen? Two words, but God, right? But God. He said, you you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves. There's there, and you were filled. There's the motivation. It was the lunch ticket. Hey, this guy's really easy. We don't have to buy anything. We just hang out with him, and we got a free lunch. 
But notice what Jesus said to them. He says, do not labor for the food which perishes. Notice, he's speaking about physical food. Don't labor for the food which perishes. And that food could be anything. It doesn't have to be a physical food either. It could be something. Anything other than Christ. Because everything else perishes except for him and his word. You seek me because you saw the signs. But he says, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Have you known people to come to Jesus only for the temporary benefits? Until those benefits cease and then they abandon him. They run away from him. I've seen this so many times in, ever since I've been a Christian. I've seen men and women hurting. Maybe their family's on the rocks. Maybe their marriage is on the rocks. Their relationship with their girlfriend is on the rocks. And they're, and they're all distraught and they're crying. Maybe they got an alcohol problem. Maybe a drug problem. Maybe they've been busted with drugs. Maybe they've been caught stealing it at, at work. Maybe they're, they've lost their job and they're just like, oh, I ain't going to do anything to get, you know, if I could just get my job back. Lord, I'll give my heart to you. And, and then they supposedly give their heart to the Lord, and, and, and he, he does that. He, he restores the relationship in his grace. He does something as a token to encourage them. And once they got what they really wanted, the rabbit's foot has already been rubbed. Now they walk away from him. Thank you so much. I've seen it so much. Have you seen it? There's someone in my mind right now who, you know, that, that is the case. And it's an unfortunate thing. It's an unfortunate thing. This kind of interchange with the Lord is often called a jailhouse conversion. There's a lot of conversions that happen in the jailhouse. And it's not for me to know which ones are genuine and which ones are real. God knows. But there are people who receive Christ in prison only to be on their best behavior to get privileges. To be on, uh, on good behavior and to get privileges. To have their prison sentence shortened. But as soon as they spring the coop and they're back out, they're back to their drug and they're back to their stealing. Back to their thieving. And that happens all the time. But there are the other times when there is genuine conversions. And hallelujah for those. You know, praise the Lord for that. But only God knows that. We can't see that. But people take advantage of the Lord all the time. And you know what? In his grace, he even allows it sometimes. For his own purposes and for different seasons. But Jesus saw right through the reason they were seeking him. Notice he says, do not labor for the food that perishes. And let me ask you the question this morning. What are you filling your life with? Are the things that fill your life things that glorify Jesus? Or are they only things that satisfy your flesh, that satisfy your lust, or satisfy your ego? What things are you filling your life with? What kind of entertainments are you filling your life with? The movies that you're watching, the music that you're listening to, the conversations that you're engaging in at work. Guys, what are the kinds of things? What are we filling our lives with? What are we filling it with? You know, there's no greater thing than to fill your life with the Word of God and with service to Him. Serving others, serving Christ, living for Him, walking the walk, talking the talk, walking the walk. There's no greater life than that. Truly, when you do that and you walk in the ways of the Lord, there is a great peace that overcomes you. There's a great, wonderful feeling in your heart that you're right with God. 
And there are so many people that need to be right with God, that aren't right with God. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.